0: Fail Films 101 is not an actual college course and cannot be taken for college credit. It is not affiliated with any university, community college, junior college, vocational training program, or for-profit corporation masquerading as a school of any kind. Professor Jay has no formal training as an educator and, in fact, went to a Missouri State College for about two semesters, ran out of money, and dropped out as a result. And now that I've covered my own ass legally, let's get on with Fail Films 101. Hello class, and welcome to Fail Films 101, a pod class about the shittiest movies humankind has to offer and why we love them. I'm your instructor, Professor Jay, and class is in session. So first of all, I want to apologize for the much longer than anticipated, unplanned hiatus. Um, like I mentioned previously, I got promoted at my job, and ever since then... Things have been a little busy, to say the least. November and December may very well have been the busiest months of my adulthood. Um, I mean, apart from you know everything at work, my wife and I also went to Mexico on vacation, which was amazing, and I would do it all again in a heartbeat. But we've just been busy with the holidays and having people over for our annual Thanksgiving bad movie tradition. But on top of all of that, in case you can't hear those little meows in the background, which I'm probably going to be too lazy to edit out, a kitten kind of fell into mine and my wife's laps. And we we're basically fostering him until his forever home is ready for him. We've got it all lined up. That's him. Say hi, Fancy Pants. He's a tuxedo kitty, so we've been calling him Fancy Pants. He has a lot to say. He's very cute, but our resident cats hate him, which is why we're not keeping him. Which I don't understand why, because he is a precious baby. So... I originally wanted to do a whole month of holiday movies. That was my original plan. And then December got super busy. But my wife and I did find a true gem of a bad Christmas movie. Holy shit. I cannot emphasize how bad this movie is. But it was wildly entertaining it, it kind of has a Hallmark movie quality to it. A little bit. But at the same time, the premise of it is different than the average Hallmark movie, but the actual storyline and plot is very Hallmark. I don't know how to put this movie into words. This is actually a A brand new movie. This movie only came out in November. When I say brand new, I mean brand fucking new. As new as it gets for Christmas movies. It is currently available to view on Amazon Prime. And this movie is called... Wait for it. A Mermaid for Christmas. I can't... I can't make that shit up, people. A mermaid for Christmas. Now, my wife and I found this movie on Amazon Prime Video. I looked everywhere for any information that I could find about this movie, about how it was made and why it was made and basically any shred of background information. I got nothing. I could not find a single bit of trivia, I could not find a single bit of information about the production. So let's just go ahead and jump right in to... I want to say the plot. I don't know if I can call it a plot. But let's go ahead and talk about what happens in this movie, I guess. So this movie opens up with a shot of a bunch of fish in the ocean with dramatic ass music playing in the background. And then we see a sailboat. And then we hear a narrator say, once upon a time seems, the perf- seems to be the perfect way to begin a story like this. Oh boy. Right then we know we are in for a fucking treat. And the narrator tells us the story that begins in ancient Greece with Princess Daphne, who is blonde-haired and blue-eyed and absolutely 100% does not look like she is from the Mediterranean in any way, shape, or form. Homegirl looks like she's from Sweden. But she is standing there in a Greek princess Halloween costume. And then we see a handsome soldier who is standing there wearing a Greek soldier Halloween costume. We can tell right away that the budget for this movie was probably about $7 and a bag of Skittles. And we learn that this handsome soldier is also the son of a sorceress who is also a high priestess of poseidon or some shit i don't fucking know but we find out the soldier is in love with princess daphne princess daphne does not reciprocate this because he is a commoner which first of all if you are the son of a high priestess of poseidon you're probably not a commoner. You're probably pretty well to do, but I guess that's not good enough for Princess Daphne now, is it? So, he decides he's going to join the Battle of Troy. But his mother foresees that he is going to not return from this battle. And she begs him to stay. He doesn't listen. He goes to war. Apparently, he survives the battle, but I guess he dies on the way back in like a sh- fucking shipwreck or something. I don't know. When he doesn't return, the priestess slash sorceress curses Daphne to live her life as a mermaid, and every hundred years she's able to return to land so that she can fall in- She can find the reincarnation of this soldier. Fall in love with him and perform a truly selfless act to right her wrong. If she fails to do so, this curse becomes permanent. She's been doing this for about 3,000 years at this point, and thankfully, this time she comes to land, it is the perfect time for both miracles and second chances. That's right, she comes to land at Christmas time. Now I'm gonna warn y'all, this movie moved a little quickly for me so I may not have been able to get everything down in my notes. There may be some details that I'm leaving out because this movie was a lot to process. I mean it was a lot to process. So this is going to be a movie that I strongly recommend everybody with a prime account you watch if you also find some other non-prime ways of watching it, by all means do. Honest, just, just watch this movie. I'm begging you, because honestly I need to talk to somebody about this movie. This movie is buck wild. Anyway, so this time around, she comes to land at Christmas time. Then we get our opening credits with an establishing shot of that same sailboat and a handsome, muscular man hoisting the sails. Then we see a seal chilling in the harbor, as you do when you're a seal. And now that same sailboat is parked in the harbor. Or docked, or whatever term you use for a boat. A woman approaches the boat and asks for Mr Hunter. The handsome man says, Miss Devereaux, what a pleasant what an unpleasant surprise. She asks if that's any way to speak to the mayor of this quote little slice of heaven. He informs the audience there's a lot of there's a lot of the characters telling us these things for the audience benefit rather than showing them. There's a lot of telling and not a lot of showing in this movie. But anyway, he says that she wants to turn this, quote, little slice of heaven into ten hotels and a golf course. She says that doing this would give Mr. Hunter enough money to take care of him, his mother, and his brother, and then he could buy any grubby old bar he wants. He says that he likes the grubby old bar he has. Daphne recognizes this man as the man she turned down, a.k.a. Pericles. She asks a woman nearby who the commoner is talking to, who, or who is the commoner who is talking to that angry-looking mortal woman. She tells Daphne that this man is Travis Hunter, and the woman is her boss, and she's basically cursed to be working for her. And Daphne's like, I understand, I'm cursed as well. The mayor is telling Travis that he has until the 24th to pay off his loan to the bank. Otherwise, she'll get what she wants anyway. She then tells him that this is what Vanessa would want. He tells her not to go there with him. Then we have a flashback of Travis about five years ago being happy and cheesy with his wife, who apparently just got sick. We cut back to the present day. Travis eats the piece of paper that the mayor gave him with the loan information. Like, he literally stuffs the whole paper into his mouth and eats it and says that it tastes like Christmassy deliciousness. Apparently, the mayor hates the word Christmassy. Hates it. She is... That's her berserk button throughout the movie. She says that Christmassy is not a word, and it drives her up a wall. Then he wishes her a Merry Christmas, and he walks away. The assistant tells Daphne that Travis spends most of the time at the bar he owns, and Daphne vows to meet him there and right her wrong. Then we get a scene of the mayor and her assistant standing in front of a sailor statue, and basically the mayor unfurls her evil plan, where she's talking about calling all the other local businesses in town and threatening to call up all of their loans if they help Travis in any way. But then we get to the bar, which this bar looks like it's somebody's trashy apartment that happens to have a bar in it. Like, we literally see this bar's refrigerator right by the front door, for starters. And all of the decor looks like it came from the dollar section at Target. Not gonna lie. That's when we meet Roxy, who's basically the bar manager, and Bo, who is Travis's handsome but clumsy brother. Bo? The actor who plays Bo, I am 150% sure, is not heterosexual. In any way, shape, or form. This man is not heterosexual. And seeing him play a heterosexual character is a little unnerving. Watching this man pretend to be straight is slightly unnerving. Anyway. So. Roxy is a very... strong-willed woman. Oh, and I did forget to mention this earlier, but... kind of a running theme throughout the beginning of this movie is that everyone tells Daphne that she looks like she fell off of a dump truck. Because basically what she's wearing is a romper with a piece of rope tied around her waist. And by romper, I mean it's a men's shirt. And it looks like there's shorts attached to it, kind of. But they're definitely cut-off shorts. And not like the cute kind of cut-offs. They're like... I do not know how to describe this outfit. Just trust me on this and watch this movie. But anyway. So. Daphne goes into the bar. And Roxy looks at her and tells her she looks like she fell off of a dump truck. And Daphne's like, what is this dump truck that everyone speaks of? So Roxy looks at Daphne and says that she is all kinds of strange, but thankfully she likes strange. She asks Daphne how she knows Travis, and Daphne calls it a complicated explanation. Roxy looks at her and says, I'm a bartender, I eat complicated for breakfast. So then we pan away from Daphne talking to Roxy, and we see a woman in her home baking a crap ton of cookies And the mayor shows up. Apparently the woman whose house this is, her name is Connie and she is Travis's mother. The mayor says to Connie that she needs to convince Travis to sell her the bar. By the way the bar is called the Coral Cantina. And then we have a dramatic ass argument between Connie and the mayor and Connie is taking her role very, very, very seriously. Like, this woman playing Connie is the most overdramatic actress I have seen in this movie. Now, bear in mind, this movie has three actors from one of the soap operas in it. I think they're all from Days of Our Lives, I think. Not quite sure. It's some soap opera. I'm I'm getting word from the Situation Room that it is in fact Days of Our Lives. Anyway, out of all these actors... This woman who is not in Days of Our Lives is somehow the hammiest and most dramatic actress in the movie. I have no idea how. So in this dramatic argument between Connie and the mayor we get a lot of exposition on how Christmas is so hard on Travis and how Travis sunk every penny he had into Vanessa's treatment when he got sick. And that's why Connie has two mortgages on her house and that's why he had to get a loan to keep the bar. And yeah. Basically, Connie's whole purpose in this movie is to deliver exposition and to chew the scenery. The mayor says that she knows that Connie is baking all these cookies for the fundraiser at Travis's bar tonight, and she would like to buy one of these cookies to prove that she isn't heartless. The mayor asks how much for one of these cookies, and Connie looks her dead in the eye and says, $50,000, which is the amount of Travis's loan. The mayor looks at her and says, you must be a really good baker. And Connie, dramatically as fuck, says, you have no idea. And then she bites the head off of a Santa cookie and spits it out. And then she demands that the mayor leave her house. The mayor says, Merry Christmas, Connie, crumbles a Santa cookie very dramatically, and then leaves. That's when we hear a jazzy rendition of Oh Christmas Tree, and we get some establishing shots of the bar. Travis drags in a Christmas tree, and he's very upset that nothing is ready for the fundraiser. Earlier, right before Daphne walked into the bar, our introduction to Beau was that he dropped... A bunch of glass ornaments all over the floor and now there's broken glass everywhere. So obviously Travis isn't happy about that. And that and nothing is decorated in the bar and there is this strange blonde woman just drinking at the bar and Roxy tells Travis the whole story of Daphne. Like from the whole being from ancient Greece thing falling in love with his or his past life falling in love with her her turning him down past lo- his past life's mother turning her into a mermaid and how she comes to the surface every hundred years to try and reverse this curse basically and then Roxy's like I think we should put her to work because we can't really afford to hire anybody else right now and Bo comes in spills the shrimp that they're supposed to serve that night on the floor amongst the broken glass. And obviously Travis and Roxy are not very thrilled about this. Bo's whole purpose in this movie is to be an airhead and to drop things. That's literally his role. That's that's the movie for Bo. So Travis takes Daphne out back and tries to figure all the shit out. He doesn't believe she's a mermaid, obviously. That's when Roxy comes out back and spills some mop water on Daphne's feet. And everyone's like, oh, see, you're not really a mermaid. If you were a mermaid, water would turn you your lower half back into a fish half. And that's when Bo comes out back, accidentally spills some salt water on Daphne. And her lower half turns into a mermaid half. And that's when everybody kind of like collectively their jaws hit the floor and they're like, oh shit, maybe she really is a mermaid. And that's when Travis suddenly remembers that Chuck from the bank is going to come by and take measurements of the bar. And obviously they have to hide this mermaid from him. Because they just do. They just have to hide this mermaid from the bank man. Because I guess he's not going to believe that mermaids are real if he sees one with his own two eyes. I don't fucking know. So then we get a fun little montage of Roxy and Bo trying to fit this mermaid into Bo's car. They like... It eventually turns into them putting down the back seats and sliding her into the back of the hatchback. And as they're getting ready to drive Daphne away, uh, Roxy once again tells her, You are strange, but I still like strange. And then, right before he leaves, Bo gives Roxy a little letter and tells her to read it. Then we get back to Connie's house and Connie is on the phone with Travis and Connie is saying would you care to explain to me why your brother just put a mermaid in my pool and obviously she is very confused because there is a mermaid in her pool I think if any of us had a grown adult son who just showed up at our house with a mermaid and stuck it in our pool we would all be very confused. So I get where Connie is coming from here. But Travis is like, I promise I'll explain later, blah blah blah, and he gets her off the phone. And then, Connie comes outside to talk to Travis, and she puts some canned tuna on a plate. (laughs) And... Tells Bo to feed the mermaid, and Bo is like, Mom, she's a mermaid, not a stray cat. And Connie's like, Just feed the mermaid, and like forces the plate of canned tuna onto him. I'm sorry, I can't stop laughing at this part. part was ridiculous i have to pause it while i compose myself oh shit it's playing again okay so we cut back to the bar and roxy and travis have a long conversation about how they've been friends since they were kids and they've got each other's backs no matter what and they're gonna do whatever it takes to save the coral cantina and then we get a montage of Roxy and Travis trying to decorate the tree with whatever they have on hand. Which turns out to be tin foil, which they wad up into little balls and stick in into the tree, and plastic flamingos. Yup. The tree looks about as awful as one would expect. So we cut back to Connie's house and she comes outside to have a conversation with Daphne who is swimming in her pool Fancy Pants apparently has a lot to say about this part. Fancy Pants? Would you like to say to the audience at home what you think of this movie? Really? Uh Uh-huh. Tell me more. Tell me more Fancy Pants. Yeah. Anything else? Is that all? Okay. Thank you. Fancy Pants. Oh, you, you got more? You got more you want to say? Awesome. Thank you. Fancy. Thank you very much. Oh, Dakota, do you want to say something, too? Do you want to say something about this movie? Go on, say something. I'll give you a credit as a guest on this episode. Really? Nothing? Okay, there it is. Dakota has some pretty strong opinions about this part, too. Tell me more, Dakota. Okay, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it from Dakota. So anyway, Connie and Daphne have a long heart-to-heart about exposition, basically. So Connie talks about how Travis's wife died and how she died how she died of cancer, basically. They have a heart-to-heart about what Christmas is and the true meaning of Christmas, because it's not really a Christmas movie until we have a discussion about what the true meaning of Christmas is. Am I right? Especially a Hallmark-style Christmas movie. And Daphne starts talking about how is forgiveness part of the true meaning of Christmas? And Connie's like, oh, is that why you're here? You need to be forgiven for something? And blah, blah, blah. Big mushy moments. Long story short, it's all very Hallmark. And she needs, she's talking about how she needs to perform a selfless act to right the wrong. And they start talking about the loan again and all the money that they owe. And then Daphne's like, wait a minute, that's it. In your world, does gold still count as money? And Connie's basically like, "Uh, yeah, yeah, it does. And Daphne's like, perfect, will you drive me to the ocean? And Connie's like, yeah, Sure. Then we, we, uh, get some more establishing shots of the ocean and all the fishies in it, and then we cut back to the bar. Bo apparently got a flat tire on his way back from getting the cookies and cakes, which Travis is pretty upset about. He's drinking at his bar by himself. Nobody showed up to this fundraiser party except for a lone bearded man who is asleep on the bar couch, because... It wouldn't be somebody's trashy apartment that they turn into a bar without a crappy couch with a chubby bearded guy fast asleep on it, right? So Chuck still shows up, his mouth still covered in shrimp glitter, which is a sentence I never thought I would say in my life, and he informs Travis that the mayor called about 10 other businesses and she threatened to call in their loans if they helped Travis out in any way. And Chuck's like, I'm, Travis is like why are you letting me know this and and Chuck says it's because you're a good guy and you don't deserve this also I think something is wrong with your shrimp that's when the mayor shows up and the mayor says Merry Christmas and then she basically tries to get Travis to sell her the bar one more time And she's like, I'm doing this in the spirit of Christmas. And Travis says, well, I have $25,000. And Roxy's like, where the fuck did you get $25,000? And he's like, I sold my boat. And Roxy's like, wait, you sold your boat? But you loved that boat. And he said, yes, but I love my family more. And that's when Bo shows up with the cakes. But he trips and the cakes fling to the ground. Travis is devastated. And the mayor says that the look on Travis's face is worth its weight in gold. And that's when Connie says, did someone say gold? And that is when Connie and Daphne come in and somehow Daphne has legs again. It's never explained, I guess, how long it takes between your having your mermaid fin emerge and... When your legs come back. That's never really explained. We never figure out. the How long. That takes. But all of a sudden. Long story short. Daphne has legs again. And her and Connie. Bring this treasure chest into the bar. And they open it up. And it is full of. The fakest gold coins. I've ever seen in my life. Like I never. In All my years have I ever seen gold coins that look this fake. And that includes chocolate gold coins. They didn't even look plastic. They looked like they were made out of aluminum foil that a child colored on with a crayon. I wish I were joking. But... What's really great is when they're all digging their hands into this gold, they have this um, <laughs> this stock sound effect of like gold coins playing. They're trying really hard to pass this off as real gold coins and it's not working. And apparently, according to Chuck, this is not only enough gold to pay off Travis's loan, but all of the businesses loans in the town and both mortgages on Connie's house. Now, the mayor is not happy about this. She tells them all that they've made a very powerful enemy and she leaves. And that's when Daphne smiles and leaves the bar. She thinks her work here is done. Travis follows her out and he's like, why are you leaving? And she's like, well, you seem happy, so I'm not needed anymore. And Travis is like, what are you, what are you doing here? And she's like, well, I was here to make things right. And I did that and now I can go. And he's like, look, I can't judge you for what you did because I wasn't there for it. But I hope that you will accept the forgiveness of my current self and the way he words it, he confuses himself. And we're all confused with him. It is a very confusing sentence slash word salad that comes out of his mouth. But then she basically says goodbye, I wish you all the happiness in the world. But then when she tries to go away, the ocean splashes up and hits her feet and she turns back into a mermaid. And of course she's devastated. She's like, why? I've learned my lesson. This wasn't supposed to happen. And Travis is like, okay, no worries. Uh, You can stay with me until we get this all figured out. So we get back to the bar. Roxy is packing up the gold and Bo is sweeping up. Bo is upset because Roxy hasn't read his card yet. And he's like, don't worry, it's nothing special. Goodbye, Roxy. And then he storms out of the bar in a huff. And Roxy's like, I promise I'll read it when I find it. And then she finishes closing the bar down. We get more shots of the ocean. Then we get a shot of, I've already forgot his name, the Greek warrior guy. Pericles, I think it was. And then we see a shot of his helmet washing up on the beach in the ocean. And then we see another shot of the sorceress cursing Daphne and we find out it's Daphne just dreaming. Travis wakes her up with some hot cocoa and marshmallows and he thanks her again for what she did. And he's like, you've basically just made my Christmas. And she's like, well I'm confused by your annual rituals but I do enjoy all of the colors and because your rituals seem very important to you and it seems to make you happy, I will try your hot cocoa with marsh, marshmallow, I think is what she called it. I don't know. She did. She had some weird, funny word for marshmallow. Then she eats the marshmallow. She doesn't like it because the texture is weird. She says it's like a jellyfish, but not salty. And then he offers to take her into town so that they can go Christmas shopping and he can get her some new clothes. And she's like, well, I'm kind of sad because my act of selfless selflessness should have fixed this. And he was like, whoa, whoa, selflessness. Don't get me wrong. Your your act was very generous and very thoughtful, but it wasn't ne- it wasn't technically selfless. Maybe that's what we need to do. We need to find like a selfless act as opposed to a generous act. And. She's like, you know what? You're right. And then he says, can we avoid having a weird date? Uh, I mean, day. And she's like, we absolutely can. After you explain to me what weird is. And then she goes to change her clothes because Connie's letting her borrow a dress. And he starts walking down the stairs and he's like, ugh, why did I say date? And he passes his mom on the stairs and she's like, Oh, you don't think Vanessa wouldn't want you to be happy? And he's like, Mom, were you spying on me? And she's like, you don't think I can't hear everything that goes on in my own house? Which, it's kind of creepy. It kind of sounds like she was spying on him. On her grown adult man son. And she's like, it's been five years. Vanessa would want you to be happy. Just go with it. And then Daphne comes down the stairs in a pretty dress. And... Of course, Travis gets this look on his face that all guys get when they see the girl that they have a thing for, descending the stairs in a pretty dress. We all know what that face looks like because we've seen it a million times in a million movies. But then we get a fun cutesy montage of them doing cutesy things, like he teaches her how to ride a bike, they go eat ice cream, they meet Santa Claus, they do all this cutesy shit and oh snap the mayor's been spying on them dum-dum-dum she's in her car and she's watching them and she says I knew it and then she rolls up her window and drives away we have no fucking idea what she's saying we what she's saying I knew it about we have no idea what she knew then we go back to the bar Roxy finds Bo's card she opens it and reads it and basically long story short he's telling her that he loves her and he's like I was gonna wait until Valentine's Day but I couldn't wait that long and she's like oh how sweet and again it's kind of surprising because the actor who plays Bo is clearly not straight in any way shape or form So she grabs her very empty purse and leaves the bar. Like this purse literally looks like she just bought it and put nothing in it. Which my wife wife pointed it out to me and I said well she is a bartender at a bar where literally nobody shows up so she probably doesn't have a whole lot of money to put in that purse. So then we see Connie and Bo getting ready to decorate Connie's tree and Bo is big mad and he's breaking candy canes and Daphne and Travis come in and Daphne excitedly tells them about their day and she's like, we learned to ride bicycles and we even met Satan. And of course, Connie and Bo look a little confused and Travis is like, uh, Santa, you mean Santa, which that part was actually kind of funny. So Bo uh, <laughs> is still kind of upset because Roxy didn't read his letter, but then Roxy, shows up and just kind of walks in and she's like hey I read your letter and Bo's like yeah y- you did and then they kiss and it feels very forced and Bo drops the ornaments of course which thankfully the ornaments are plastic so these ones don't break and Travis is like oh good call on the plastic ornaments mom and Connie's like oh that reminds me I have something for you And then she hands a box to Daphne and Daphne opens it and it's a mermaid ornament and it's very pretty. And of course, Daphne is very happy about it. And Connie's like, oh, this ornament is too nice for a hook. Let me get you a ribbon. But apparently, oh shit, they're out of ribbon. Daphne offers to go pick some ribbon up for them by herself because she wants to do something on land by herself. So, Travis gives her some money and tells her to come home ASAP. And while Daphne is in town, oh shit, she runs into the mayor. The mayor offers her a ride and apologizes to her for getting heated, and then she's like, "Why don't you why don't we go to my office?" So, the mayor and Daphne go to The mayor's office and she tells Daphne that before Travis married Vanessa he was actually in love with her but they couldn't be together because her family was a family of power and they have higher expectations. Sound familiar? So the mayor reveals that Travis actually asked her to borrow the money for Vanessa's treatment and she actually turned him down and she felt the guilt kind of crash over her after she passed away and daphne's like i understand i was cruel like you once too and the mayor tries to paint herself as a saint by finding out what she what travis owes for his loan and offering to buy out the bar but he kept turning her down and then she does a complete 180 and tells Daphne that she owns every building near the bar and she's gonna turn that street into a war zone and basically demolish everything around the bar and destroy his business unless Daphne leaves. And Daphne obliges and she tells the mayor to be good to him. And the mayor's like, Oh, what are you talking about? I don't love him. And Daphne's like, Now it is you who are trying to fool me. And then we cut back to Connie's house. And Travis and Connie are getting worried about Daphne because she's been gone for a while. That's when Bo and Roxy burst in and they're like, We saw her! We saw her with the mayor! And Travis is like, Oh, fuck. So he runs out to go and fix this. And that's where we'll go ahead and leave it. So, of course, that brings us to what makes this movie special. And there are... There are a few things, in my opinion, that make this movie special. For one and I already touched on this a little bit, but the actress who plays Connie. Now, bear in mind, there are several soap opera actors in this movie. The actor who plays the main character, or the main guy, Travis, is Kyle Lauder. And he also was the producer of this movie. And he's been on Days of Our Lives for apparently a number of years. I knew none of this before watching any of this. My wife is a bigger expert on soap operas than I am. I know a little bit about the TV show Soap and that is where my experience with uh, with soap operas ends. But somehow, despite the fact that there are three actors in this movie who have been on soap operas for a number of years, Connie is the biggest, hammiest, most dramatic, scenery-chewing actress in this movie. Another thing that I think is made special in this movie, somehow, it is... It's Schrodinger's Hallmark movie. It is simultaneously Hallmark-esque, but at the same time, not quite something like Hallmark has ever done it's a more unique concept in that there's a mermaid but at the same time there's a very strong hallmark air about it i don't know what it is maybe it's the whole heart to heart about the magic of christmas that really pounded in the hallmarkness of it but what makes it not so hallmarky is how obviously low budget this movie was which Bear in mind, this is an Amazon Prime original. Remember, Amazon is run by one of the richest men in the country. You'd think the production value would have been a little bit higher. But (laughs) the limited budget of this movie was basically blown on Daphne's mermaid tail. And even that mermaid tail is pretty subpar quality. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not horrible, but it's also not great. Like you can very cl- you can very clearly tell that underneath this mermaid tail are real human legs when it moves. So, yeah, there's just there's a lot going on with this movie and I cannot encourage you all enough to watch this and just appreciate the complete ridiculousness of it all. So before we wrap this up, I do want to apologize again for the long unplanned hiatus. I promise I'm gonna get back on a regular upload schedule again. We're gonna get back into the syllabus with Mac and me getting back to our blatant ripoffs unit. And we're going to carry on with the syllabus as normal. I may actually do one more holiday episode before we jump back into the syllabus. We'll see how it goes. I might do a New Year's themed episode since it'll be the last episode of the year before we jump into 2020. But then we're going to jump back into the syllabus with Mac and me and carry on as normal. It's probably gonna be a bi-weekly thing just until my schedule kind of gets back into a good groove, a good flow, and then we'll get back on a weekly schedule. But in the meantime, you can find us on Facebook at Fail Films 101, you can find us on Twitter at Fail Films 101, you can find us at fail films101.com. We're hosted on anchor.fm slash fail films 101. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Catsbox, a multitude of podcasting platforms. Basically, anywhere that you can think of that hosts podcasts, you'll probably be able to find us. Just search for Fail Films 101. And as always, if anybody wants to be a guest, by all means, let me know. Please let me know. We can either do something on the syllabus, which you can find at Facebook. Or, sorry, you can find it at failfilms101.com syllabus or we can even do a movie of your suggesting. Between units, I like to do class suggestions, so if anybody wants to talk about a particular movie, please let me know. Honestly, we may even, uh, my friend slash editor, Sarah, brought this up. We may even do a uh, field trip where we go to see the Cats movie. I'm really hoping this happens. But if not, at some point, I really want to talk about cats on this podcast. So, if anyone wants to talk cats with me or anything else. Speaking of cats, I do want to thank my guests on this episode. Fancy Pants the Kitten and Dakota the Dog. And again, if anybody wants to guest, let me know. I'm always happy to have guests on because... As much fun as this is by myself, it's even more fun with others. Make a dirty joke out of that if you want to. I don't know. I'm tired. It's been a very hectic couple of months. But I'm very glad to be back. I've genuinely missed doing this. So until the next episode, I'm Professor J. Class dismissed.